Welcome to the New Nurse Podcast. This is Nurse Meg. Hey guys, just checking in with you today. Um, so we are actually in the midst of our stories series. You had a chance to hear from M, her personal story, and you had a chance to hear from me, my personal story, last week. We have had the pleasure of actually getting a chance to sit with Lacey Megan. Now, if you guys don't know who Lacey Megan is, I obviously invite you to go on to our Instagram page, go ahead and check out our links, and obviously follow those to check out Lacey Megan. She is um, the mastermind and founder of The Empowered Nurse, which is a mentorship program. She is everything um, that Em and I are about. She is pouring into brand new nurses. And this week and next week, she's going to be sharing her story with us. Now, I did want to come to you and let you know that we ended up having a little bit of a technical snag. And so just in all transparency and honesty, wanted to just share that. So unfortunately, we end up losing the first childhood bits of Lacey's story. No worries, though. I really want you guys to listen and dive into the second and third parts of her story because she shares some great wisdom, great insight, and honestly, her story hasn't been shared that much as you will hear in the podcast. So um, we were going to re-record it for you. Lacey's kiddo ended up having seizures, going into the hospital, life happened, and we wanted to honor her time and her space with her family. So that's why we're coming at you today. Just letting you know that when you're listening to the podcast, you're going to hear we're talking about, you know, previous recording and three episodes, but it's going to be a two-parter. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for listening in on the stories. And thank you for sharing your stories with your patients and with the people that are in your circle and in your walk of life. It is so very valuable. I know you guys are going to love Lacey just as much as Em and I do. So here we go. Guys, we are here with the Lacey Megan. Um, She started telling her story the last episode, and we're going to finish it up, or maybe this becomes a three-parter. Look, we don't even know. We're just going with it. Um, But if you didn't get a chance to hear the first part of Lacey's story, we would invite you to go back and listen in on that because it's really good. Um, She left us in just a space of suspense, and so now we are diving back into it. Hi, Lacey. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to continue. Yay. Um, So we are doing this via Skype, and we had her in a jungle background (laughs) for the last little bit, which is what the distraction was all about, because we were trying to get her out of a jungle background. So I'm just saying, like, yeah, that's that's where we're going. That's where we're at, guys. This is what your influencers are up to over here, (laughs) just living in jungles. I love it. I love it. Get us out of the weeds, Lace. Like, invite us back into... um, where we landed, like ended things with you last time. Yeah. So last time, I think I was getting ready to tell you about my plans after um, I was going to graduate because I had mentioned that I had this rule for myself. The very first promise I ever made to myself as a human being was that I wasn't going to move back into my parents' house and I was going to do everything in my power, whether it was safe or not, to not have to break that promise to myself. Um, and thankfully, this really crazy opportunity came stumbling across my path in my last semester of school in my first degree at VCU in Richmond. And I was approached by a recruiter for Teach for America. 
So it was already decided I was not going into medical school. I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't know what I want to do, but maybe I'll take like a gap year and I'll just work. I worked at a pharmacy at the time as a farm tech. Um, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just do that. And then this recruiter sold me on this opportunity to teach. And I wish I remembered more of our conversation because I'm like, oh my God, what could they have said to me to convince me that that was a great idea? I have. No idea. But I think for me, it was also um, a little bit of jumping just because I was so afraid. And that's kind of my MO in life is like, oh, I have this opportunity. It's freaking me out. I'm going to go do it. And I know most people are like, ah, that's a no, but I did it. And I applied for Teach for America. And if you guys are not, are you guys familiar with what Teach for America is? Not at all. No. No. Do you know what AmeriCorps is? Yes. So <laughs> she just like just groaned. That was, that was like a no. <laughs> so AmeriCorps is like the big umbrella. And then there's lots of there's like Peace Corps, Teach for America. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So AmeriCorps umbrella is Teach for America. And there's like medical mission trips and stuff through AmeriCorps. Um, so Teach for America, the idea is really great, and I could have a whole other conversation about this, but basically what they do is they take pretty high-achieving college students that have no direction, and they put them into urban or um, rural communities that don't have teachers, and they teach them how to teach the most underserved populations in America. Um in and you're how old at this point? Yeah, I'm 21, getting ready to be 22. Cool. Yep. Yeah, that's what we should. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yep. So we're taking the most fresh human being. And when yeah. I say high achieving, this program actually started out as um, only Ivy League graduates would get the opportunity to go inner city, which. Wow. That makes no sense. <laughs> Right. Why would you take like the gap is so wide. Right. You yeah. Say, well, that's really too short. So anyway, we could talk about that a whole whole other day. But I decided to do it. I decided it was a good idea. <laughs> and in that process, you get to apply all over the country. And that was really, really sexy to me. I was like, oh, I can go anywhere. I can travel. I can go explore the world. And so I applied to go to like Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, California, Alabama, like all of these southern states, I wanted to be warm. I thought, you know, even if it gets really hard, I can go to the beach or whatever. Well, I got placed in only one place, and um, I did not get options. Usually they give you like a one, two, three. I didn't get any options. And this place that they chose for me was one of the only places I did not put on my application. <laughs> In the entire country. I know how the story ends, which is why I'm already laughing, because I already know where she landed. Yes. So I was like, I'm going to do it. So the place that I ended up was New Jersey. In Newark, New Jersey. And I was like, what the? Fine. Like, but there's no, that, that, the sexy register for New Jersey is like lower, you'd say, than like Florida like, or California or something. Guys, it was like a negative 5,000. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to like, ugh, like, I, I don't know. In my mind, I was just picturing going to like the trashiest, grossest place ever. Yeah. Right? Because I feel like a lot of the rest of the country 
views New Jersey as literally like the armpit of America. They do. Yeah. Which we literally do like in hospital systems too. We're like, like from a nursing perspective, you're like, uh, we have another transfer from that hospital. <laughs> like, you know, we do that all the time. It's unfair. Yeah. Unfair. Yeah. So common. Well, you know, I thought that for like the first year and a half I lived here. So it's okay. <laughs> I literally was like, no, 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 I'm never going to assimilate to this place because I'm going back. Like I'm going back to Virginia or I'm going somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. I'm not staying here. This is gross. And <laughs> here I am eight years later. But anyways, so. right, we're all, all our, any Jersey listeners, um, she's still there. She hasn't totally left your side, okay? No hard feelings. Yeah, they, <laughs> like, now I embrace the hell out of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was raised here. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so I moved up to Jersey, and I was so, like, kicking and screaming about it. Like, no, I don't want to do this. Like, I want to do it because I want the opportunity. But, like, is this the right thing? I don't want to go there. And... For the first year, it was really, really, really hard. So basically what they do is, and as many of you know, an education degree takes five years to get. And they essentially give you a certificate to teach after five weeks of an intensive training experience in an inner city. I was in West Philadelphia. I still have so much trauma from that experience. I literally, like, anytime someone's like, oh, come to Philly, I'm like, no. Uh, I can't. Tell me I'm not the only one when you say what's Philadelphia that starts singing Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. I'm back to the school. I'm, yeah. <laughs> it was not, it, it was not as picturesque as, you know, mm-hmm. you would hope. It was very, 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 very challenging. And I learned um, so, so much about the world around me that I was never exposed to prior to that experience I thought my life was hard I knew nothing I knew nothing Mm. now that I look back on that I think it's beautiful that I got to experience that because there's still some people that I meet now in their 30s 40s 50s that have never gained that empathy and as nurses we get that opportunity because we're serving everybody we're not discriminating uh, amongst um anything you know show up we're going to take care of you and we get to we get the opportunity to um ask and look at things without bias if we choose to and it just it can really grow you as a person and and when I went to teach that's what I got the opportunity to do I got the opportunity to be immersed into different lifestyles um a different way of living and it was the most eye-opening and the hardest thing to this day I have ever had to do was teach middle school. So that was my grade level was seventh and eighth grade science um, in Newark, New Jersey. And if anybody's listening and you are familiar with Newark, New Jersey, I taught at Chancellor Avenue, which is right next to Weekway High School. It's a middle school combined right next to a high school. Um, and our school was tough like it there's a lot of politics with education in general but in Newark and I don't know what it's like everywhere else but I can speak to Newark there was a lot of charter schools that popped up and so kids would apply or they would have lottery systems and they could go into these charter schools but charter schools can kick you out when they decide and so who did we get because we were a public school Mm. and 
it, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And the kids were amazing, but the the education system is set up in such a way that it's hard for people in the profession. It's hard for kids. It's hard for everyone. Um, and at the ripe age of 22, I thought I could change the world and, you know, hop into the school and do all of these amazing things. And while I do think I did amazing things, it was at a huge cost to me. Mm. And I wasn't really willing to admit it until everything kind of hit the fan. Um, and about a year in, and this is where uh, Megan got to hear a little bit of my story mm-hmm. last week um, or a few weeks ago. This is when I had made this decision in my brain that I no longer wanted to go into work anymore. I no longer wanted, and if I couldn't go to work, I couldn't be successful and I couldn't stick to my commitments because I had signed this contract. And so I just needed to, to leave. I just needed to end it. And um, as an Enneagram three, which you were sharing about previously, I mean, that kind of resonates on a whole nother level as well for you because you were saying that being successful as a three is just your whole identity pretty much is wrapped up in the ability to succeed. Exactly. And now as a 22 year old, you basically are feeling like you're not successful and hitting all of those like um, goals that you have set for yourself. So now are you any good to society is basically what you're saying. Right. Which is crazy. Like little baby 22 year old you, I just want to take you and pet you and like love you and be like, no, 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 no. Like, shh, be quiet. Like you're fine. Well, and, and even now in talking it out again, I'm still processing through what that 22 year old went through because even now I'm like, Oh my God, there's layers to that. I was alone. I moved to New Jersey by myself. Like I had no friends, no family up here. And I, um, just thought I could do it and be totally fine and thrive solo. And, and when I couldn't, the only other option in my mind was go back to Virginia and live with your parents. And I couldn't do that because remember I made that promise. And I was like, I can't like uh, in my head, ending it all was better than doing that. And I didn't have anybody to show me perspective. I didn't have anybody in my corner that I felt like, right. I did, but I was not allowing them in. And so what I, my plan was in New Jersey, and I just think it's so ironic. Now I can giggle about it, but there's like a million toll booths. Like if you are going through New Jersey, you're probably going to pay like a hundred dollars in tolls just going through the state. Like it's ridiculous. True. True. (laughs) It's insane. So I had the same toll booth that I took every single day into work. And my plan was to run right into it going 60 miles an hour. And I was, I was going 60 miles an hour and this truck, because if you know those Jersey drivers, like if they see something that they want, they're getting in your way. And this man got in my way and saved my damn life. And he had no clue. And I was shaking from head to toe. Basically I missed it by a few inches and ended up in the grass. And my whole body was, was like shaking. I was crying and it was kind of in that moment as, you know, a 22 year old that I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm going, I'm going to do something differently because obviously this wasn't meant to happen. And, you know, it didn't happen. I, what am I going to do? Like, I got to choose something different. So that day I went into school and I was like, I'm, I'm going to choose to live today and I'm going to choose to just try my best today and figure this out later. And which that in itself shows 
how much, like, how strong you are. Holy cow. Like, yeah. going into work that day, oh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't think I had any other choice. Right. Because, and, and this is also what kind of worries me. It's a little bit of a side note, but what worries me about really young nurses now is that you, we don't have that life experience to say that you have options and you have choice and you don't have to do this one thing. And, and I feel like sometimes we get so sucked into, well, I spent all this time and money getting here. If I don't do this, what's left for me? Yeah. And um, it, it, it makes me a little worried for people sometimes, but that's also why my, you know, why I exist, right? So that I can help people. See that. Yeah. I do think a lot of people feel like they're a bit backed into a corner. Mm-hmm. Even one of the other rekindled nurse workshops, which is how Alicia and I met uh, back in October, the speaker is, was not a nurse. And he was like, just, he's like, just educate me. Like, why, why don't you guys go do something different? Just, like, just really, if the profession is that toxic, like point blank, why don't you do something different? And you were at the conference as well. And again and again and again people were like money and also we're not qualified to do anything else because a lot of us don't have a general degree either right so now you're like well I don't even have like it's not like I've got a general business degree and I just landed in this space so I'm glad that you're saying this Lace because I just do think there are a lot of people that are going to be listening to this and nodding their heads and like that, that girl is speaking my story, maybe not to the full extreme, but again, depending on where you place your identity, if the identity is what you can do instead of what you can be and who you are, it, it changes things. Absolutely. Well, and I'm still learning that, right? I think that's definitely a journey of living and being versus putting all of this power and emphasis on what you do. Yeah. And that was my first encounter with that. That was the first time where I was forced to slow down to actually think about that. Mm. How am I being every single day? Well, I'm feeling anxious. I'm drinking an entire bottle of wine and eating an entire carton of chocolate ice cream on the floor of my bathroom every night. Like that, that's not who I want to be. Mm. And that's not who I am, but yeah. that's how I'm showing up. And because I'm putting so much weight on what I'm doing in my day-to-day life and that I'm trying to make that be who I am. Um, And I think it's very abstract and it's something that we have to really work through as people, especially as women. Um, There's a lot of different ways that we identify with doing versus being um, Mm -hmm. society. So, so yeah, I absolutely. And that's the hope in telling this is that, not just so you hear my traumas and the things that I went through, but I know so many other people do. And this story that I'm telling, I don't tell very openly. And I haven't, I don't think in this way before. And I, part of it's because I don't want people to feel sad for me, right? Like I'm in a better place now, but I almost feel like it, it's, it's time for me to like, I've come through it to another side where I just want people to know that if you are experiencing these feelings of being lost, of being put into a corner, of feeling like you have nobody, I've been there too. Mm -hmm. And you can come out on the other side with your gift. And I can graciously say that's what happened to me. I went through that 
um, you know, life altering experience, I decided then that evening that I was going to do something different. And I was going to start um, listening to people who were successful or that I thought were successful. Mm. And when I say listening, I mean, I started like, because <laughs> remember, I'm not very religious, but I started listening to like Oprah or um, Mel Robbins or, you know, mm. those types of inspirational people. And like, what did you guys do to overcome the trauma that you've been through in your life? Like, what did you do to make it better and to make an impact? And um, in that, uh, I started doing things just a little bit differently. And when I when I made that decision that I was going to make a change for myself, the first thing that happened was I met my husband literally two weeks later. Like, what? And <laughs> so crazy because even when I write out the timeline of my story, up until this point, guys, in the story, I was surviving. Mm. This is where I made the decision to thrive. And even on my worst days now, I'm still thriving, even when I feel like I'm surviving. And it, mm -hmm. it takes time to look at your story and see that for yourself where you're at. Um, so with that being said, I, I met my husband and we haven't even gotten to the nursing part, but I promise it's coming. <laughs> Girl, you take your time. This is so good. I'm enjoying every minute. <laughs> good. So I met my husband and a few months later, it was time for me to apply to nursing school. And so I did. And I still had to complete one full year of teaching. Again, it was really hard, but now I have the support in New Jersey and he has all these friends and it was just so, you know, the stars kind of aligning. Now I had all these people to look forward to, this community to look forward to. And I applied to nursing school. <laughs> and guys, I called the admissions office. It was an accelerated BSN program through Rutgers. And yes, I don't mind saying it because they really they have some things they should fix with their admissions, but they uh, lost my application. I called 36 times over that summer to get somebody to review my application. They reviewed it the same day after I was finally in tears, like, I can't go back to Virginia, and I need to know what to do with my life. And uh, they felt bad for me, I guess. And they reviewed my application. I got in, and I literally started, I think it was, like, either the next day or the next week, I started nursing school. And from then, I, like, grew a pair of wings almost. It was like everything clicked. In my first degree, I loved it because I loved science. But in nursing school, I was like, oh, drinking this stuff up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that. I get this. Like, it was, I don't want to say easy, but it just felt good to be in classes and talking about these things. Like, I cared about them. And, um, however, clinical was still hard for me skills was still really hard for me. And I started to feel some of those same feelings that I felt when I was teaching, like that anxiety, a little bit of, um, I did not know that my anxiety, I think at that time was actually high functioning depression. Oh, um, interesting. My therapist brought this up because she mentioned, and I don't know the, like how accurate all of this is, but, um, this might resonate with somebody, but mm -hmm. she was saying that typically people with, anxiety um suicide isn't something that's like an immediate option for them so high functioning depression makes sense because it's like a longer i don't know whatever and it makes sense for me yeah, yeah like a longer build up of, yeah yeah like a, a longer yeah a longer build up and like 
I never would have said I'm depressed because I'm not somebody who like mopes or sits in a corner or like, you know, binges. So I always associated depression with that, but I can still function very, very well and still be not okay mentally. Mm, that's resonating with somebody right now. Yeah. yeah. Also, did we all hear Lacey say the word therapy? Because we are very outspoken about how much we love ourselves and counseling and some therapy and how I just think that that should be like a standard in life. Like yeah. every, every chapter you should just have to like check in with a therapist because mm-hmm. why would we not want a third party to be able to speak? I mean, and I help identify, which is basically what this therapist did for you, like parts that we're not going to be able to connect all the dots in our own lives all the time. So yeah. thanks for saying that too. Cause we are very loud about that in this community. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I love that. And I think it's really important, especially for nurses that you have a consistent therapist, um, maybe even a trauma therapist, trauma, trauma informed therapist, because mm-hmm. yeah. woo, y'all, we are going through some trauma still. So that has an impact, even though you might not notice it day to day over time. Yeah. Cool. And I'm sure you guys witness it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like, let's just listen to those voices that are like ahead of you. Because honestly, when I've had to unpack the trauma from being in the ICU uh, 10 years ago, like, I just really wish I would have kind of done myself a favor. And listen, I'm like not begrudging my story because I think we hit our timelines differently. And when we're meant to be dealing with it sometimes, but if you could like figure that out right now as you're actively maybe in those spaces, even though like Lace, I'm glad that you said like, yeah, you might not even feel like you definitely need it or just because I think we see other nurses that just compartmentalize to a very unhealthy level, but outwardly we're cheering them on. Like they never get like impacted by any of this. They don't care. They show up every day and they're just getting like more and more hardened. And honestly, more lost in the doing and are becoming completely unaware of the being. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely relate to that because even when I'm working with my um, mentees and with my new nurses, they will have their first code or their first RRT and they're like, I don't know how to process this. I don't know what to do with it. Like everybody's yeah. telling me to have work-life balance and to leave work at work, but how do you leave that at work? And that, and I think the lines get blurred and everybody gets so confused because we don't seek out the proper care for ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We see so much firsthand and secondhand trauma. Yeah. Primary and secondary trauma as nurses. And I think there's probably even a third type of trauma that we're witnessing because it's not happening to us. So but it kind of is, right? Because mm-hmm. we're having to do the compressions or call the physicians or call the code or whatever. So that's kind of happening to us. That's where it's primary. Secondary is you're hearing and you're watching and you're seeing and you're giving orders and you're you're doing all of those things. And then it's like this third level of trauma of like, I'm just the nurse though. So am I supposed to be experiencing all of that primary? Inside? Like, where do I fit? Where do you take mm-hmm. care of me? Because it's not my trauma, is it? But also then I feel guilty that I'm asking the question if I'm even supposed to be taking care of me. So now I'm guilty about the fact that I'm feeling guilty. We as women just really will take this, like we will drill all the way down until we make sure that we feel bad about every ounce of good that we're doing. Like the good question that we're asking, 
the good behaviors that were, you know what I mean? We're stopping the line. Like we can do it all day long for somebody else, right? Like, oh no, you leave Emily alone. Like that's not even fair. She should, but like then the minute that we turn it on ourselves, we're like, well, but I'm kind of a jerk for like needing time away, right? Like I'm kind of a jerk for acting like this is impacting me when obviously it was that person that just lost their loved one. Or you're weak. And maybe or you're weak. Maybe you shouldn't be a nurse because you cry after a code. What? Like, oh, that'll wear off sometime. Like, just give it time. I hope it never wears off. May I always speak that over you? I hope you never get numb to your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. It's not meant to be that way. I love Lacey a lot. Unfortunately, Lacey, this is going to go into a (laughs) (laughs) three-parter. Oh, man. I told you I talked too much. Lacey is our new one. We don't know what we're doing for a month. We're just like, hey, Lacey, what are you doing? What are you going to talk about? Let's do it. (laughs) Guys, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to finish it with Lacey in a third-parter because I just, I love everything that she is. I love how you literally empower other nurses that are in this field and do it by sharing your story because story is one of the most important things that we're going to bring into the conversation and bring to the table and so I just think that it's I'm here for it guys that's what I'm saying we will see you next Monday to be continued to be continued bye y'all bye